Today I need to I need to preach to you in order to preach to you. I need I need to communicate something in order that you can understand something that I needed to communicate. So 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 it might be a little off when I say that. But but how many of y'all when you were young or maybe currently you would hurry up and do your chores so you could get outside and play with your friends. You had to take care of that one task so you can go and do the other task or hurry up and do your chores so you could play video games. Or sometimes, and this is the case with my dad, and my dad is a good cook, but he's a great baker. And he would make these cakes. And y'all, if my mom gave me like, you know, and this is my biological, I'm blessed with two dads. So this my biological side, um, if he just like made a plate full of like worms, grass, and hay, I don't care. I would eat it up so fast because I wanted to get his cakes, the, the, the dessert. The dessert is what was hidden. And y'all know there's been times where you went ahead and ate up food just so you could get to the dessert. Family today, I've got I've got like two components of gospel truth that I want to give you. Uh, and the past month or two, there's just been so much happening in the rhythm of our body that last night the Lord put on me the second portion. But I want to make sure you dive deeply into the first portion as well. And so would you pray that the Lord guides me as we navigate these two texts? Lord, would you care for your body, care for your people? You've given me a word Based on your word, let it guide us that we would understand you more clearly. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. So the kids have a schedule. Their schedule is pretty fair, pretty expected. They're about to get out of school. And so some things shift. And our church body has a shift take place in the summer. Uh, we are a church that has always been community-minded. We've always been uh, down for this neighborhood. We've also always invested heavily in, in these blocks. And there was a time when we would be doing a lot of things and we would add on summer activities. Teachers get a break for a reason. They have a chance to recharge, to reinvest, to get geared up for the fall. And I praise the Lord for them. And if you've ever taught in a class, you should be ready to do a backflip down the aisle right now because uh, teachers are a blessing, y'all. And we are blessed and honored to have them. I also want to say, though, church members are a blessing. You all are a blessing to me and to the elders and to the community. And we want to provide this church with a little bit of a different rhythm. And so in a, instead of having our normal rhythm of serving and growing at the same time, we actually want you to be able to shift a little bit, free up a little bit of space in your normal schedule to still be about God's business, but to do so with a little bit of the summer rhythm. We call it fellowship, rest, and evangelism. Those are the three areas we want you to focus on for the next three months. Fellowship, rest, and evangelism. It's not actually a word, but we made it into a word called fray. Some of y'all might say, what does that mean? Pastor, I'm going to try to break it down for you real quick. Fellowship, rest, and evangelism. The first scripture we find is in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. 
You will find that in the Bible uh, by your knee or right up here on the screen. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light and darkness have? Oftentimes you hear about this concept of 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 people being uh, unequally yoked as it relates to marriage. Paul is saying it. No, it's not just a marriage thing. It's also a friendship thing. That you should not be yoking with people who are not on the same page. What is a yoke? A yoke was this this concept of 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 sowers, of planters, of farmers. They would take an ox. They would put this long wood board on the neck of the ox and then they would take a separate ox next to it. Long wood board on that one. And in the middle, they would have a a a a long blade, if you will. And that blade would cut straight lines. But it only cuts straight lines as long as both ox are equal. But what you would sometimes do is have somebody be like, you know what? That ox big, that one's kind of small, but he'll be all right. And the minute that you have that yoke unequal, now your lines start getting crooked. Because you got one that's taller than the other, and that blade that's supposed to make straight lines for you, that's supposed to be on target, is now turning. So farmers would often say, don't, don't, don't unequally yoke those ox together. You got to be like minded. You got to be of like strength. You got to be of like build. And Paul is saying, who are you linking your life to? People of God, who are you linking your life to? Fellowship with people who love a holy God so that they can encourage you in holy living. Because at some point you're going to get weak. At some point, you're going to need somebody to be like, hey, hey, don't do that. That's not a good look for you. You might want to reconsider. See, at some point, you're going to be the one that needs advice. And at some point, you're going to be the one that needs to give advice. And he says it's important for us to fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. This is not just friendship. Friendship you can do with an unbeliever. Friendship you can do being in the space of people who are not like-minded. We're not saying only kick it with Christians. No, there are many people who you have varying levels of relationship with. Everybody don't get to come into the house and eat from the table. Some folks is porch people. Some folks is car people. Some folks is I meet you at the park people. You know, there's varying levels of people. That's cool. That's cool. Here, though, here he's trying to say, when you think about linking up, link up, align with fellow believers. He says it because it has an impact. But but if you don't believe it, hear the the words of these, this study that was done by Northwestern University in 2017. I'm curious to know if my high schoolers or middle schoolers would agree with this. It says... Sitting within 25 feet of a high performer at work improved an employee's performance by 15%. If you're in sales 
and the person within 25 feet of you is a top performer in sales, guess what? You happen to increase 15% just by proximity. But sitting within 25 feet of a low performer hurt your performance by 30%. Who are you close to? If you think it doesn't impact you, this isn't even the church and they're showing evidence of it impacting us. Imagine what we're dealing with spiritual matters. We need to be in the presence of other believers. And for those of you at home, I pray you feel convicted but not feel any shame or any ungodly guilt. Because I want all of us to be convicted because there's days when I don't feel like it. We need to be in church. I'm saying it, but that's because as Pastor K was driving to the airport, he said, Pastor, I'm about to go to the airport. I'm going down to care for my sister. But you can say it verbatim. Tell the church I love them, but I pray that they're in the building this summer. I pray that they come this summer. Why am I doing two phones? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and you know why he said that? He said that because last summer was his first summer. He said, Pastor, when I walk the streets, I see church members. When I look online, I see church members. When I'm at all these different things, I see, hear, touch, see church. But then on Sundays, last summer on Sundays, at times it would be sparse. Like, I know that's not us. And family, Paul is saying, we got to fight for fellowship. So this summer, I'm hoping, expecting, praying that you will be present here. But I'm also praying that you will be in the lives of one another beyond this. So as we don't have our Tuesday fellowship groups or some of our other rhythms, that you'll have somebody over for dinner. You'll take a walk with somebody. You'll grab some barbecue. You'll laugh at the game together. You'll be in each other's presence. And you and I know that some of the dopest times happen when it's not really planned. It's like, all right, come over. Let's watch the game. But then while you're watching the game, you get into a deep convo. I didn't expect that. What? You know, you go for a walk together and you realize, wait a minute. God showed up in that moment. I wasn't even expecting it. Like, 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 like God will do stuff just because we are in each other's presence. Fellowship, y'all. That's part of our rhythm this summer. Fellowship. Next, we see rest. Look with me in Psalms chapter 37, verse 7. Rest. He says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out wicked schemes. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently. Be still before the Lord. Be still. Two words, two words that's tough for us, two words that can be difficult for us. If, if I say today that, that, that your car broke down, that ain't a good example. Let me think of something else, because that seemed negative. You now you worried and stressed, easy. But if I say today that, that your cousin's coming by and they taking all the kids away, what would you do? 
If I say today that, that some of the friends is coming by and that project you planned on working on, they bust that out, what would you do? If I say today, see, for most of us, if we get something move off our list, we add something new to the list. And I'm not saying you don't got a lot going on, that we don't have a lot going on, but it can be quite easy to fill our lives. And God's saying, what does it look like for me to be in your presence and you to just be still? What's it look like for you to rest? Do you even know what rest looks like? For me, I, um, I, I, I love housework and I love like kicking it with my family. So I'm, I'm cool. I'm a homebody for the most part. But the difficult part for me, I could maybe stop some items and things, but it's up here. This mind will be going. And I'm thinking about how the commons is doing. And I'm thinking about, oh, man, they said that they was going to uh, um, fix they, their furnace next door. Did they get a furnace? And I'm thinking about, man, I've been trying to water my grass. Is them, is them birds out there eating all my grass seed up? And then I'm thinking about, you know, like your, your mind be going and going and going and going. And God is like, I just want you to be still. I want you to rest. And the fight or the work or the labor or the discipline of resting takes time. And so we're trying to adjust your schedule a little bit this summer so you can be able to be, let me pick that up and go, nope, I'm going to put that down. I'm going to rest. But, but I want to get it again. Oh, nope. I'm a, and maybe come August you'll be like, Pastor, I got a few good rests in. Because I tried to start in June and I couldn't get it, but, but I kept having to work at it. And, and I got a new discipline in my life of being able to be still in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because all types of drama is happening around us. Evil seems like it's progressing and Satan wants to get your attention. And sometimes in the presence of the Lord, we need to be recentered. I ain't worried about what's happening in that house or in that house. I need to be recentered on what's happening in this house. So fellowship, being with one another, encouraged in Christ, rest, resting in the Lord, being still. Lastly, evangelism. In Acts chapter 1, 8, we hear these words. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Fellowship is real because, because it makes me see God beyond just myself. Fellowship happens when I see God in you. So now I know God do something in me, but then he turned around and does something in you. I I, okay, now there's a community impact. But then in addition to a community impact, I get to have some intimate resting time with the Lord where he does something in me that fuels me or that calms me or gives me a measure of his peace and shalom. And even though the world is crazy, I'm feeling good 
Evangelism is me taking both of those and caring enough about you to hope that you would experience one. Evangelism is me being like, man, I got to experience some amazing fellowship. I want that for you. I got a chance to experience some rest in the Lord, and I want that for you. It's not, it's, it's not about the tactic. It's not about the, the, the okay, so, so did I like pray six times, and then on the seventh time, I'm going to knock on the door and do the... You ready for Jesus? You know, like, 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 it's not about the way you approach it. It's about the love for the individual. The care for the individual, the reality of what I've experienced, and I know God is real, and I simply want you to be able to experience it too. And so we're going to talk this next year about what evangelism looks like in our evangelism series, uh, Reconciled to reconcile is going to happen the rest of the year. And so you're going to see these two logos happening all throughout the year where we are trying to equip the church body to be able to engage people with the gospel. It's our goal. But we don't do so because we want numbers. We don't do so because we want money. We don't do so because we want fame. Look how many people I saved. None of that. We do so because we love people. And because we realize God loved us and he reconciled us to him. And so he then sends us out to be those that can reconcile and see other people experience his great, great love. Frey, it's happening in the next three months, June, July, August. And we pray that you will thrive in fellowship, that you'll experience the fullness of rest that God offers as well as you would share the beauty of who Jesus is with others and evangelize. But in our body, we've had a, an interesting rhythm take place in the last two weeks. Excuse me, the last two months. I was listening to a, a woman on, um, on, on Instagram, and she was talking about a new profession that she was able to get. She was trying to help other people who've been struggling financially. She's like, look, I got a new job, and if you do this, it's going to be a blessing to you. I got a job as an adjuster. And insurance agencies call her and say, hey, a trauma has taken place. I need you to go onto the scene and assess the degree of the damage. Family, today I want to shift my conversation a little bit because, unfortunately, uh, just like that adjuster goes out to assess different levels of of drama and trauma that people have experienced. Uh, grief is something that hits us all. And the question is, what is the level of grief that you shall have to interact with? It's going to happen. It's going to knock at your door. And we pray that the amount is small, but even if it's small, it still can be powerful. Let me just list off a few things in the last um, couple months. Uh, this is not an exhaustive list, um, so please forgive me if I don't mention you, but uh, I know Dawn uh, and Celine, they, they uh, had to bury their brother. Uh, Carolyn and Carl uh, buried their niece. Um, you know we always keep the Andersons close to heart for uh, the experience they had with their daughter and son. Uh, the weighty news of cancer for our sister Tara. 
the Hogles have experienced uh, loss on multiple fronts. Our brother Charles was in Cali uh, caring for the health of his father. Trini has laid things before us. Many have grieved the loss of uh, cherished unborn. And now our brother Pastor Kay is on a flight uh, headed, to Cal- headed to Florida to be with his family as they are in a, a process of grief. A grief is uh, defined by this, this website called Got Questions as a deep and powerful emotion caused by the loss of someone or something we hold dear. Grief is a part of loving and engaging with life. Loss is bound to come into this fallen world and grief accompanies it. Grief is not an emotion to be avoided, but one to acknowledge and for us as people of God to walk through. I just got a few quick points because I want to make sure that we as a body are engaging with and handling the concept of grief well. Even as we have these months ahead this summer, there may be more information, but at least we take the next three months of fellowshipping and resting and evangelizing well as we try to care for and walk with those that are grieving. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 helps us see that grief is common, but it's also unique. Ecclesiastes 3, starting with verse 1, says, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens and a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Grief is one of the things that that toddlers and senior citizens connect with seamlessly. I still remember as a child the first time my bike was stolen. Notice I said first time. I still remember as a teenager when they stole the beats out of my car. Get them, God. You know what I'm saying? I still remember that. <laughs> I still remember the, the pain and the weight of grief. It, 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 it rests on us. But be careful, family, as we talk about a topic like grief. Ecclesiastes tells us that, that it's going to happen to everyone. But I want to just give us some tips so that we, in a God-centered way, can care for one another, and then I'm going to get you out of here. Tip, one, tip number one, don't try to one-up one another when we talk to talk about grief don't try to try to try to one up oh you you lost your dog man i lost my cousin last week though at least it wasn't that bad oh you lost this person we lost two people man at least you ain't in my shoes see i you you might be you might be like what huh but, but, but we, we've heard people say things like that. And what they're trying to do is let the other person know it could be worse. But you don't realize while you're trying to care for them, you're actually giving them a subtle stab. Because are you not acknowledging my pain? Do you not know that dog protected me from somebody once that was trying to harm me? Do you not know? Like, like you don't know. So what you can do instead of one-upping is just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry for your loss, and I'm willing to be here for you. 
It's common that we'll all experience grief, but it's also very unique. You may have lost a cousin, but you didn't lose that person's cousin. So be careful not to say, I know exactly what you're going through. Because while we all have had loss and it is real, you also don't know exactly what they're going through. So be able to walk with them, care for them, love them. Because grief is common, but it's also unique. Next, grief is something that that we can't simply control. It's an emotion that can be all-consuming. Look with me in Psalms chapter 31, verse 9. The psalmist says, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. Psalmist in 42.3 says, he says, My tears have been my food day and night. My tears have been my food. Grief affects you in ways that you can't imagine. Folks won't eat sometime, won't sleep sometime, have new physical ailments, new headaches, anxieties, numbness to the world and family. Be okay to allow people to go through these different aspects of the grief cycle. I know we want to show up with food. Do it. But if they don't eat your food, don't take it personal. Love people because people in in the midst of grief at times will not have control even of themselves. I'm grateful, though, that we have a God who understands. Because, see, grief is not just in losing a person. Grief also happens when we lose a dream or we lose the affection of people that we love. Look with me in Isaiah 53. Starting in verse three. Says this, giving us understanding prophetically of our savior, Jesus Christ says he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain is how the NIV says it. But most other translation says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with grief. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. This is speaking of our Lord. See, when we go through something, when we go through something that, that, that has us up at night or has us experiencing a pain like none other, have us wishing that things could have gone differently, have us not eating. Jesus can say, I understand. I know what it's like to walk through grief. I know what it's like to experience rejection. I know what it's like to have pain at my door, at the table, sitting next to me on the couch. I know what it's like for grief to be present. And yet that allows him to connect with us, to enter into our experience, to walk with us intimately because he's not there guessing about something that you experience. Jesus is saying, your grief isn't too much for me. Let me walk in it with you. Let me love you in the midst of this pain because it breaks my heart too. 
And I know that if anyone is in pain or if anyone has experienced grief, it is difficult to let people in. But let us and let Christ in. Lastly, and then I'm going to get you out of here. Grief is not eternal. Grief does not last forever. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 13 says, it says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. See, grief is real and grief is weighty. And we've got some pros in here who've been through some heavy things in their lives. And they will tell you it never goes away. But it can get a little bit lighter. And as the days go on, it gets a little bit lighter. And if that's an inkling into actually our eternal reality where where there will be no more crying, no more pain. Actually, Revelation 21 says it better than pastor can quote it. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. That is where our joy lasts. In a Jesus that will step into our grief, be with us, but then eliminate it because there's an eternal joy that we will have where there will be no grief. There will be no mourning. There will be no more hurting. And so we can be a people who have a different hope. We know that pain is real. Some people try to sell us that if you're a Christian, you don't feel pain. They lying. Pain still exists. Grief is still real, but you don't have to go through grief alone. Let Jesus in and let this people walk with you, but also stand knowing that there's going to be a day where Jesus' victory on the cross conquers even this heartache, even this pain, even that lump that's still in your throat from that pain that happened. There's going to be a day where Jesus says, let me take that fully. Come on into the by and by and experience the joy of newness fully. Your new creation, your new self in the kingdom of heaven is going to have no grief. It's going to have no grief. And it's reasons like that that lead us to share this beautiful gospel with other people. We want them to experience fellowship among God's people. We want them to understand why we have Hope. We want them to experience rest. We want them to experience God's saving grace. Pray with me, church. God, we thank you. We lift up Tara right now, who's just started chemo. And thinking about the future of her children, Lord, be with her. Cover her, Lord. We lift up the Fukala family. We lift up, Lord, Celine and Dawn, Lord. We lift up so many. But God, you have walked with them and loved them and care about them even more than we do. And our hearts break for them so we know your love is beyond what we can understand.
Think of Mike. Think of so many that that I've seen exhibit weakness in you, Lord, which allowed your strength to show up. Let this church, Lord, be a church body that, Lord, when people go through something, they feel pursued. They feel pursued, Lord. I want in this church body you to have to reject love, not to wonder if anybody loves you. In this church, Lord, let us pursue people when they go through things and they would feel loved and cared for. And then, Lord, let people open up to receive you, you first, and then fellowship from the family. It's in your name we pray, Jesus.